Welcome to Illness with Influence, a brand new series from Have a Cuppa Unmasked, the podcast dedicated to raising awareness of invisible illnesses. This series, I talk to guests who have become champions of their own industries, but all with one thing in common, an invisible illness, showing you it can be done. All is not lost. You can still achieve your dreams. Come on, let's raise inspiration, not stigma. So sit back, grab a cuppa and get ready to be inspired. Hey everyone and welcome back to another episode of Illness with Influence and today I am so, so happy to introduce you to Annette de Armouth. Hi, how are you doing? I am great. I'm so excited to be here. Do you want to introduce yourself to everyone? I would love to. So um, I'm Annette and I am the brain behind the Burnt Out Brain and I'm 23 years old. I live in Brooklyn, New York. I moved here about a year ago in the middle of a pandemic um, to (laughs) get away from the bubble that is um, Miami because I came from Miami and I basically create art that has everything to do with mental health and well-being. Um, I want to help people feel less alone and also educate people through my art. That is amazing. So kind of uh, what the first thing that I want to know is, have you always loved art? Like, is this something that you've just kind of always wanted to do? Yeah, so I've always been art inclined. Definitely as a child, I used to love to paint. And yeah. I would paint on the walls. It was, just, <laughs> yeah, I've always loved, I loved art. And um, as an adult, as I started getting older, it kind of diminished a little bit just because yeah. as you grow older, there are different things that you have to like think about, like school and work. And um, now I'm back aligned with what I think I was meant to do, which is create. Yeah. So you've always been sort of very creative and kind of outgoing in that sense from, from yes. like a young age. Amazing. So what kind of made you then think mental health? Because I know a lot of artists and not and not all of them kind of, you know, you can paint landscapes or portraits or dogs or whatever. But what kind of made you want to support the mental health and, and really express that through art? So I have been living with anxiety and depression since I was 15. Wow. And Yeah, and it's been a long, long, long journey. And about a year and a half ago in August, I was trying to figure out a new way to kind of cope with what I was Mm. struggling with. Mm. And out of nowhere, I was just like, I follow all these amazing accounts on Instagram. They make me feel better. Maybe Mm. I can try to do the same. Um, And I can start expressing myself through like digital art. And I just went out and bought an iPad and just basically just started drawing what was in my head and then yeah now I have a platform of almost 60,000 people I just don't understand how that happened yeah I was gonna say how has that happened in such a kind of a, a quick turnaround it's been less than a, a year in a, in effect so how how well first of all how did that happen and then secondly how does that make you feel that you're able to sort of impact and influence on such a large scale so I think I just got very lucky. The Instagram algorithm has a brain of its own. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. I guess it just showed me to a lot of people. And somehow um, a lot of bigger accounts started finding me. And I started getting reposted a lot. Yeah. And I started making a lot of friends because I'm just a very friendly person. Yeah. So um, I, I grew 
exponentially and it just makes my heart kind of like explode and also my brain because like who am I for people to want to care about what I have to say and what I draw yeah um it's it feels a little bit uh surreal sometimes but I also kind of remember that I am doing something that I wish I would have had uh many many years ago which is knowing that there are people out there that feel the same way I do and and kind of support it and and advocate it as well and you know so kind of going back to when you were 15 that's you know kind of teenage years you've got loads of friends you're probably biggest priority is um what outfit do I wear to the next party sort of thing so how did it affect you and your relationships with your family and friends and stuff having um being diagnosed with anxiety and depression at such a young age so one of the first things that really was affected was school for me Mm. I started getting really bad grades and um, I would isolate myself from the people who loved me and just wanted to care right. about me. Like your brain has a really scary way of making you feel like nobody wants you, even mm. though like deep down, you know, you're so loved. But at the same time, it would I became very distant from my friends and my family. And slowly and slowly, the world kind of became darker and darker for me back then. Yeah. And and how did kind of your friends and family cope with that did they find it difficult to kind of get through to you and stuff they I think they just didn't know how to approach it Mm. and that's one of one of my main things with my account is that like not only do people follow me that actually experience struggles with their mental health but a lot of my audience is also people who know someone who struggle with their mental health yeah and um, I just I just don't think they were ever educated or really mm. knew how to how to get close to me, how to ask me, how to help me. Um, so I definitely focus on that a lot with my account as well. Like there's ways to support and ad- adequately to p- support people who struggle with their mental health. Yeah, there's always a right way and a wrong way. Yeah, and and what are some of those kind of kind of wrong ways? Just for people listening who maybe can relate to this in terms of they know someone who's who's dealing with anxiety because obviously the last year with the pandemic and everything that has affected so many people's mental health. Um, so I'm sure there's probably a lot more people now than there was a year ago who, right. or, or two years ago who, who know someone. So what, what sort of tips can you give? So something that um, should definitely, some no-nos mm. when supporting someone who struggles with their mental health is, making them feel like it's their fault um, and mm. kind of minimizing their situation by being like, oh, it's okay. Like everything's going to be fine again. People have it a lot worse. Um, those kinds of things can make someone feel very invalidated, even if they come from the right mm. place. Yeah. Um, it, it kind of makes you feel even more guilty because it's like, I have a, I, truthfully, I have a great life. I yeah. have family who loves me, but why am I still feeling this way? And, and mm. honestly, it could make people feel way worse. By yeah, it's stuff you're battling way. anyway, isn't it? It's it's that internal yeah. battle that you already have going on in your head. So you don't, you almost don't really want or need someone else to voice it for you. <laughs> right, exactly. So um, definitely being mindful of the things that you say. And mm. there are a lot of art, not only myself, but there are a lot of like resources that where you can find the right things to say to people who struggle with their mental health, especially someone yeah. that you love. Yeah. Yeah, because it can be difficult, can't it? Especially with someone 
uh, like a really close friend or, or family member or partner even, someone that you're really close to, to see them, um, you know, go through this struggle, it's painful on yourself as well, isn't it? I, I imagine it's painful for, for the person watching because they feel helpless. They feel like they, they want to get you back to, and I hate to use this term, normal. Um, there is no normal, I don't believe, personally. No one is normal, but you know what I mean. And um, it's it's frustrating. And, and if they don't have the right tools or the right knowledge around it, or even the right education around it, you know, it's not something that we're really taught in schools and things much, yeah. um, especially when I was growing up, probably a little bit now, but not so much. It's so difficult to stick with it and I think a lot of people get abandoned quite easily not because they're not loved but because naturally when you're in that sort of state you do like you said you you isolate yourself you you do and it's a natural reaction but then those closest to you don't know how to recover that they don't know how to bridge that gap so they just go I'm out I can't deal with this you know and and it can so quickly spiral, can't it? It, it really can. And um, that's why it's important, like, to definitely, like, if you know someone in your family might be struggling with their mental health, just doing some quick research, like, about what it is that they struggle with, if they disclose that information, mm. what you can do, things you can say, a little really does go a long way when someone is struggling with their mental health. And so you were diagnosed at uh, 15, but had you had a lot of symptoms kind of prior to this? Did you, like, was it a shock to you or did you kind of see it coming? So I wasn't actually diagnosed until I was 20. I didn't oh, get wow. the help. Yeah, I did not get the help that I needed until I was an adult because um, my parents, they are Hispanic and mm. there is a totally different culture when it comes to mental health and things right. like that. Um, and physical health is definitely more of a priority and it just makes more sense to them rather than mental health yeah so I didn't get the help that I needed until I was able to like financially support myself and find a therapist on my own so for five years I was dealing with an with no diagnosis but you just know you you know from the way that you feel and the things that you're going through and it, it was a it took so long to get that diagnosis but once I got it I really felt like I could reclaim that and and yeah. take power from that. That's a, that's amazing. And and in terms of that progression uh, or and that struggle over the 5 years, was it a kind of instant overnight sudden feeling or did this anxiety and depression come at the same time or individually or was it slowly how did it progress? That is a question I don't think I've ever actually thought about that (laughs) (laughs) I think my brain has tried to erase all that stuff from my my memory but I I honestly feel like it came quick I remember being such a happy person and I I mean 15 year old me pre like mental health struggles was just so happy and friendly and outgoing and then Mm. things quickly changed out of the blue and I started feeling like nothing mattered I didn't matter and I I like to describe it as there was a point where I kind of felt like I was just a ghost floating around and the world was in black and white and it happened real fast yeah and and in terms of that 
making that first step, that's so brave. How did you manage to get the courage to to make that first step and go and find a therapist on your own without the support around you? How how did you manage to kind of muster that up? So I didn't really have very healthy coping mechanisms from when I was 15 up until Mm. I was 20 because I didn't know I didn't have the resources to know what I could do to make myself feel better Mm. so I struggled with self-harm and there were a lot of things that I just shouldn't have done to cope with my um, struggles and so what actually pushed me to get help was that I've I've also been in a relationship Um, my first and only girlfriend and now she's my fiance um, amazing yeah we met when we were 15 on Twitter and um, my relationship with her was just being so affected um, and we were also long distance so wow like, it's, it's a very lot different. it's, it's a, a lot, lot of pressure yeah it is a lot of pressure and like my, our relationship was definitely be, being affected by my my struggles because it's like she wasn't my girlfriend anymore she was my therapist and your significant right, yeah. other is not supposed to be your therapist so yeah. um, I kind of realized it was time to get help when my when my girlfriend was like, you are just so controlling and you don't realize mm. what you're doing to me. And that snapped in my head. And I was like, oh, no, I need to get help. Yeah. So the thought of losing someone you loved so dearly and uh, kind of forced you to kind of go, right, I, I really need to change this because otherwise I'm going to lose her sort of thing. Yeah, for sure. And she's definitely been my rock since the Mm. beginning and I cannot imagine my life without her so um I wanted to get better for me for us for the people around me yeah future the future yeah it just I I, it was time it was time and my parents actually took it real well um that's good nice yeah I was definitely expecting some sort of bad reaction from them but my I remember my dad gave me a high five and he was like I just want what's best for you so um I was pretty afraid of like nothing. Like I could have gotten help probably a little bit earlier than than yeah. I did. Yeah, but it's always so hard, isn't it, getting to that first step? And I always think yeah. that putting your hand up and asking for help is the most important, but the hardest step to do, isn't it? Yeah, it is. So for anyone who's kind of listening to this, going, "That is so me. I totally relate to this. I am in that position where." I want to get help. Part of me wants to get help. Part of me wants to get better. I want to, I can see the damage it's having to not only myself, but my confidence and the people around me and my future. What would be your kind of top tips for getting that first step, getting that first kind of initial stages of even just talking to someone close to them, not necessarily a therapist, but just taking that first initial step? I think it's important to sit with yourself. You have to have a certain level of self-awareness um, for that to happen. And you mm. kind of just have to sit with yourself and think like, what, how, is my, how are my struggles affecting me? How are they affecting the people around me? Are they even affecting the people around me at all? Mm. Um, it, could my life be different if I got the help that I needed? And there's a lot of questions that you really need to ask yourself because getting help also can be something that in like your your mental health struggles your mental illnesses can be like no don't get the help you need you're comfortably uncomfortable you're fine like just stay fear of the unknown yeah yes definitely fear of the unknown and also like 
when you're in that position of like complete despair and sadness, it's almost it's almost like there's comfort in it because yes. it's what you've known. Yes. And so yes. the fear totally. of getting of the unknown and getting better, that's something that can be off putting as well. Um, yeah. Because so, totally like what what then fills that void? Exactly. Exactly. So um, it's important to kind of like to almost convince yourself that like. I know I feel comfortably uncomfortable now, but I know I can feel much better if I got the help because being sad, like, and being not just sadness, but just being in a state of, of just despair is nothing compared to actually being content and happy. Yeah, totally. And, and would you say as well to be kind to yourself and, and very much, you know, take your time, don't compare your journey or, or your kind of um, outlets to, to anyone else. And, and just do your own path exactly the, it everyone's journey is different with their mental health and something that I definitely talk about a lot is that um relapses happen and mess ups happen and mm. sometimes the journey which is kind of cliche it, it just it's not always going to be a straight path and you can fall off the path sometimes but like that's when you gotta you have to pick yourself up and you have to continue because like and and falling off the path as well doesn't erase the time that you've spent getting better. Um, mm. if anything, it pushes you to get to a different place. So it's always important to remember, like, oh, that person, they look like they're doing great. I, I, I don't feel like I'll ever get there. You, you can't really think that way because that's not totally. necessarily true. Totally, exactly, and and also as well, I know it's a really cliche saying, but you just have no idea what other people are going through. You really don't. So, you, you you know, they might have anxiety. They might have depression. They might have some other uh, mental health issues going on. But it doesn't mean that their journey is the same as yours because they might have, um, I don't know, difficulty in opening up to their family and friends. They might be very much going through it alone or they might be getting backlash from their family and friends. So it's, it's really just very much an, an individual journey, isn't it? Absolutely. Yes, for sure. You can't compare yourself to anyone else because everyone's going through something different. Totally, totally. And and with relapses and things, did you find that you had many towards the beginning or was it kind of quite later? Was it COVID, the pandemic, all of that sort of things? Did you find that there were certain triggers that, that caused relapses? For me, it was my work environment. Um, right. A lot of it has to do with just, um, like I said before, my parents are Hispanic and they mm. have kind of this this work mentality that like your work and your career is what's most important in your life. And yeah. I, I graduated from, from university at 20 years old, which is very early for most yeah. people here in the States. Yeah. And I was pushed into the workforce very, very young. Yes. Always being told that work is most important. And I very much wrapped my identity around my work and my career mm. and being in a stressful work environment has are the triggers that have caused me to relapse whether right. it's like in, in a depressive state or with with self-harm I it was definitely that um, and luckily I've learned how to cope better um, through therapy over time and especially it was worse at the beginning when when I was getting help it was a lot lot worse back then mm. um, but I've been in therapy for three years now and things have been a lot better and I'm gonna be three years clean from self-harm this year that's amazing so, thank you so there's a lot of there's a lot of um, great things that I've learned along the way that's huge and and in terms of your family now are they 
sort of still really supportive with it and and really sort of your cheerleaders <laughs> for sure there's definitely a difference from when I first um started struggling with my mental health to now all of them follow me on my account and oh, they amazing. check in with yeah and they check in with me quite a few times throughout the week and yeah. like it's not just like oh hi how are you it's like how are you doing how are yeah. you feeling yeah and it's genuinely like wanting to see how I am and I I just quit my job uh, my I last, saw yeah I just uh, my my last day was last Friday and I'm officially a self-employed human yeah congrats you Thank you've you. joined the dark side oh gosh <laughs> I am so scared but they have you've got this so supportive thank you I appreciate it because and like they've been so supportive because they know they know what I've gone through and they know what yeah. I go through and they just want me to be happy and doing pursuing this part of my life that was that first was just a way to cope and now has become my yeah. my everything. They're just really happy for me. And they, they they are not like the kind of people that are like, well, you went to school, you graduated early, you have to have a nine to five job. Yes. Like, what are you yeah. doing? Yeah. They're, they're not like that. They're just so happy for me. I mean, hats off to you. I'm sure I'm not the only one here who is feeling incredibly inspired by you oh. um, for not only everything you've gone through, but you're only 23. You know, you're, you've been through so much and to keep pushing and just that self, I know, I know you, you, you struggle with depression, depression and anxiety, but that self-confidence and drive and passion for what you do and standing up for, for, um, what's right and standing up for other people who don't have a voice and things like that is just so incredibly inspiring. So, Hats off to you. I'm sure I'm not the only one thinking that right now. And in terms of um, the burnt out brain, let's talk about the burnt out brain. Okay. What, what gave you the idea for that name? And, and was it very much sort of art was a very natural coping mechanism for you? So I think I've been in a perpetual state of burnout since I was like 20 after graduating yeah. from university. I have just been burnt out I never want to see an essay again I never want to see a teacher again I'm not going back to school that's just it and so um and also because of work I I just feel like I'm always in a state of burnout Mm -hmm. so like it was pretty easy for me to come up with an at like an at name just because of that yeah it's just so relevant to you and and what you experience yeah for sure Amazing. I love that. And in terms of burnout, what does that feel like? Because I'm sure there's a lot of people here that maybe either think they're in burnout, but they're not entirely sure because they don't want to be like, oh, I'm in burnout and and be all dramatic. Or they're worried about that because there's a label with it and a stigma. So what what does it really feel like to to be burnt out? Oh, my gosh. It feels like you have ran a marathon and a half. And you're just not seeing the finish line anywhere. Mm. Like, Mm. where is it? And you're just running and running and running. And you kind of just have to throw yourself on the floor because you have nothing left in you. That's what burnout feels like. And it it shows up in physical ways um, because of the stress. So you can get headaches and you can get Mm. stomach aches and Mm. body, body aches. There's a lot of physical symptoms that show up with burnout and also with emotional exhaustion. You just you feel drained, you don't know how to cope, you're tired all the time, Mm. and you start isolating yourself, and and things that you love don't really feel like they make you happy anymore. Right. 
Yeah, I think that's a really important one, especially with all the pandemic and everything going on and so much change in the world recently. Um, just be really kind to yourself. Everyone listening, please be very kind to yourself and to others as well, because you have no idea what is is going on behind closed doors. So with your Instagram as well, I mean, it's amazing, the following that you have and, and everything. And do you get a lot of messages every day saying how impactful it is and how much it's kind of helped them? I do. I get them every day and every single time since the beginning I've had this account, every single time I get one, my heart just bursts because it just doesn't make sense to me. I don't yeah. know how I'm able to make such a profound impact on people. And like even something like that, I feel um, like a doodle that took me like 15 minutes to make yeah. and just was kind of like a, like a mindless kind of thing. Yeah. And someone will send me an essay about how much oh, it meant wow. to them to see it. It just, yeah. I, I can't even describe that. That feeling, it kind of feels like a high and I never want yeah. it to go away. I mean, you're a true communicator, aren't you? You're a communicator, but not through words, through through images and through art being able to kind of take all of that emotion that pain that confusion that anger the uh, the mixed up feeling that you get and and your full on experience and put it out onto paper but in a way that other people can look at it and go i totally understand is a gift it's a true gift and i think it's incredible what you do um so please definitely do keep doing it and keep inspiring people like myself and everyone else listening here what is your, just before we go, what is your top tip that you wish you knew when you were 15 about mental health? Self-care is so, so, so important. And it's been kind of commercialized now um, when people think of self-care. Yeah. Bubble baths and yeah. getting your nails done. And while pampering is a form of self-care, it's not the only kind of self-care that exists. Mm. And I wish that 15-year-old me would have known that there are other ways to deal with what I was dealing with if I had mm. a self-care routine or if I had because self-care can also be a backup plan as well um because when you start feeling like you're kind of starting to get to a low your self-care routine can, it helps you prevent that sort of low that you might be you might feel is coming on so definitely self-care routine is super important I love that. I love that. And how important is it to to you to try and beat the stigma of mental health and invisible illnesses? That that stigma that is there within society still. How important is it um, to to stand strong and beat that? It is so important because I don't want people like myself to have to feel invalidated when they mm. open up about their experiences. I have one example with my old boss from the beginning when I started working with him. I, I let him know I deal with anxiety. I deal with depression. I see a therapist and I see a psychiatrist. Mm. If you feel like you see that my productivity is lowering or I might seem like I'm not focused or not motivated, this is why. And his response was, I don't, I don't believe in depression and therapy isn't real. So for that for me to open up to my superior and be met with such invalidation, I don't want people to go through the same thing. I want people to be educated because that stigma exists and it's real. Totally, totally. And it is 
getting a lot better, but it is still very real and it's impacting people's lives daily. So please do share this podcast if you've enjoyed it. Please do jump onto Instagram, share it, tag away, let it be known, share it to all your friends and family. Let's spread the message and let's raise inspiration, not stigma. Thank you so much, Annette, for coming on today and being so inspiring. How can people get in touch with you? I'm sure they already are following you, but if they're crazy and they're not, how how can they get in touch with you and, and follow you and keep up to date? You can find me on Instagram. This is where I'm most active on at the Bertel Brain. I also have a Facebook page and I am now going to start posting TikTok. So you can find me Amazing. at the Burntout Brain on TikTok. Fab. And for all those listeners, don't worry, I will pop tags in the description below so you can go straight there. And please do uh, get in touch, do share this and do spread the word because it's so important. Thank you so much, Annette. You are truly uh, inspiring and just incredible. My mind is blown in a good way. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate you so much. Thank you for listening to another episode of Illness with Influence. If you love this episode, then why not share it with your friends and family, tagging myself at helena.m.mitchell so I can personally say thank you. And don't forget to check out our other episodes in this series or hop onto our private Facebook community group, Have a Cuppa Unmasked, for continued support from a community of like-minded people. But until next time, stay safe, stay strong, and remember... You are not alone.